This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me is our entire staff, Billy Embody, Shay Dixon, Sonny Ship. We're going to roundtable this thing up just like we did last week with the basketball talk, except this time we got coaching talk. We got the coaching carousel. Plenty to talk about. Um, for those who haven't already checked out our site, go247.com. Uh, we got the latest on with hot boards, coaching evaluations, all that good stuff, just what we're hearing on a daily basis. So be sure to check that out, become a subscriber, all that stuff is VIP, and you can check out our board as well. So, guys, um, I'm going to kind of open it up with a general type question here. If y'all had y'all's top three favorites in this coaching uh, vacancy and coaching candidacy, uh, how would y'all rank them in terms of your favorites and who you would want for the job? Uh, top three in order and why? Billy, you can go first. Well, uh, I'll lead off and, and kind of go with the man of the last 24 hours, and, and that's Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley is my top choice. And look, I think, you know, we're running out of coaches that haven't won national championships that are going to end up winning national championships, you know, for that early going of, the college football playoff, it just seemed like you had had to have a national championship under your belt to, to win one. And then you had Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, um, Jimbo Fisher. Those were kind of the guys that you, you needed when you made hires and things like that. Um, and Dabo Sweeney broke through. And and so I think Lincoln Riley's that next coach to break through and win a national championship. And whether that's at Oklahoma or if he ends up leaving somewhere um, like an LSU, which seems like a choice that, you know, he could have in the future um, that could be his springboard uh, to winning a national championship, because at some point, especially with Lincoln Riley's age, you're going to see Nick Saban leave. Um, who knows if Ryan Day will uh, break through it in, in the national championship realm of things. Will he, you know, get an NFL opportunity, all these different things. Eventually someone else is going to break through. And I think Lincoln Riley's that guy. Um, if I'm LSU, I'm going at him with an open checkbook. Um, he is, recruiting at an extremely high level right now and kind of overcoming a lot of those uh, deficiencies that we've seen from Oklahoma on the recruiting front uh, under his tenure. And then I would probably go with, um, you know, this is where it gets a little difficult for me, but I, I'm probably going to go with Dave Aranda uh, as my next choice um, just because he knows the landscape in Baton Rouge. And I know, you know, some people might not see him as like a great fit, but I think knowing the landscape at LSU, uh, he was a very respected mind here uh, as a defensive coordinator. Uh, him and Ed Ogeron kind of had a falling out, uh, and he ended up deciding to really push to go to Baylor. And it's worked out so far. You know, that first year was a rough one, but he's really uh, come on strong. He just beat Lincoln Riley uh, and those Oklahoma Sooners and has his team playing at a really high level. Uh, he's trusted in terms of the analytical side of things. He's assembled a good staff for recruiting. Uh, Jeff Grimes' offensive coordinator is being mentioned as a, a head coaching candidate for probably some lower level jobs to get his feet wet in that realm. But I could see him making a move back to Baton Rouge. Um, he was really, you know, really enjoyed his time here. And while he's a little different, 
Uh, he's kind of always been viewed as low-key, one of the funniest people to work with. So he's got that personality behind the scenes that you need. I think he would be somebody uh, that I would really like to see uh, LSU, you know, really kick the tires on. But he, he also has some ties out west. So I think he could be in play with USC and Washington especially. And then I think Luke, Luke Fickle's just too big of a long shot. So if it gets down to this third choice and Mel Tucker looks to be closing in on an extension – I'm between Jimbo Fisher and, and, you know, Billy Napier, but I'm probably going to go Jimbo Fisher just in terms of my top three, just because again, he's won a national championship. He has A&M recruiting at a very high level. I think knowing the the landscape at LSU is important. Uh, Billy Napier knows the landscape in Louisiana, of course, being there. Uh, and he comes from a Nick Saban tree. Uh, both of them do obviously, but you know, I, I just think Jimbo Fisher has that, uh, program kind of trending up. Um, and I think he's going to be one of the more stable picks and, and ha- have LSU in a 10 win, 11 win season. So, uh, like Shay wrote about earlier this week, take all these comments at the podium with a grain of salt. Um, there, there's different ways that coaches go about handling it. I mean, I'm watching SMU's coach kind of be non committal and, you know, while his name's being thrown around the TCU coaching search. And meanwhile, I think he's going to probably be your. Uh, next pick at, at TCU to be the head coach. So a lot of different ways that these coaches are handling it. Uh, and so despite Jimbo Fisher emphatically kind of sh- trying to shut down those rumors, I don't think you can close the door on him yet either. Shay, what what do you got? I mean, mine would match Billy's at number one. I would have Lincoln Riley. And I say that because Lincoln's had his team in that national conversation, the playoffs, each of these seasons, you know, since the college football playoffs have expanded pretty much every year, Oklahoma's in it. Uh, they have not had great success when they've gotten there. But I think that if you're holding that against him, you would have to then look at the other side of the argument that if he's coaching at LSU and recruiting that level of talent, he's probably going to fare a bit better. The fact that he's been able to get so many good recruiting classes out to Oklahoma, which is, again, if you're Oklahoma's moving into the SEC, if you're a head coach and you're, for instance, at Oklahoma, the pitch to you from Scott Woodward would be your job would get a lot easier. You'd be paid more, but your job would get a lot easier doing that from Louisiana. You've got a state with no competition. That's a top five per capita talent producing state. You're bordering the, not just Texas, but everyone into Mississippi and, and certainly getting easier and closer to recruit Georgia and Florida. So I think that for a lot of those reasons, I understand why they're going after him. But number one for me would be his offenses. And I've said this from the start, I'd like the hire to be someone who calls plays on one side of the football and is really good at it because it just mitigates so much risk in terms of if you're really good and you win a national championship, people are coming to pluck your coordinators. If you suck, you're going to have to fire your coordinators. So whether it's being really good or whether you're having down years, you're only having to replace one side of the ball. And Lincoln Riley, since I think it was 2012 or 2013, back when he was the East Carolina OC, He's only had one year in nearly a decade now at East Carolina OC, Oklahoma OC, Oklahoma head coach, still calls plays, where he's not fin- where he's finished outside the top eight in total offense, and he finished right around 25, and they still average, they got it written down, 30-something points a game. So you know he knows how to be an ace on that side of the ball. The past decade, we've seen offenses evolve more rapidly than really any point over the past 20, 30 years in college football. And every step of the way, his offenses are still up there with the best. So I like him as being a guy I would target as one. And this is another thing. He's 38. 
you've got a lot of football left in front of him. He's young. You're dealing with NIL and the transfer portal and, and social media and kids today are just a different breed than they were when a decade ago, even five years ago. And I think Riley's young enough to understand that from there I'm with Billy, it gets really tricky. And, and you're also sort of balancing, like, I'm not including anyone like Nick Saban or Kirby or any of those people in here. I, I honestly think Luke Fickle, for instance, is a great coach. I think that again, at Cincinnati and, and you guys know this, y'all covered uh, Billy and Matt have covered a lot of, uh, non-power five football at times and Cincinnati is better than they have a better team than everybody they play they have better players and kudos he's recruited really well they have a good coaching staff but they roll every they really don't they've kind of played some close games this year but it's not a surprise that that they've been good I think it's almost more of a testament on the Billy Napier side of what he's done to get to double digit wins now going on what four years in a row in Lafayette and what they've been able to do building that program I would. I like Billy's answer of Jimbo. I think that the fans hate on Jimbo probably more than he deserves. And I, I won't even go back to any of the national championship stuff or if you can knock on where's that quarterback development been. I just think he knows the program. He understands how to build an SEC program. And you see what a and doing right now in recruiting. But again, after Riley, for me, there's just a bit of a dip. And I'd probably – and I'll push Jimbo out of this, guys, just because he tried to push himself out of it emphatically this week. And I'll – throw in I think I would agree that Aranda's there but I'm almost having Napier right there with him if not above and I'll say this I don't and Scott Woodward may disagree and old LSU folks may disagree and, and I might be wrong but I don't buy into the notion that LSU is too big to go hire UL's head football coach I just don't I think they need to go find the best coach out there and for me I think that Napier's approach and granted I'm probably I know a bit more about Napier because he's operating here out of Louisiana and maybe these other coaches possess a lot of these strengths and I'm not giving them credit for that. And that's fair and, and whatever, but what I've seen from Napier, how I've seen him build a staff, how I've seen him build a program, knowing that he comes from that Nick Saban tree, seeing the success he had out at Arizona state before coming to UL, knowing he's going to go get a big job. He'll get a TCU a Virginia tech and what he has to get one of those jobs improved for a couple of years before he would be good enough to play, you know, coach at an LSU. I don't buy into that. I think that if he got in front of Scott Woodward and perhaps he does get that chance uh, that Woodward would leave really impressed. So if you're making me give like a top three, I yes. like guys who are really good play callers on each side of the ball. I like a Riley. I like an Aranda, but I think that Napier is putting himself into that conversation based on he's proven how to build a program and win. And he's turned down jobs knowing that a big job like this could open uh, I think this is sort of the one he's waiting on. Does he get it? I have no idea. I don't even know if it gets down to him. But I think that even if you're saying it gets down to Billy Napier as a candidate, I think you could look back at that a handful of years later and say you hit a home run. Sonny, what are, what are your three? Well, I guess Tom Landry's Chuck Knowles and uh, those kind of guys are out of this top three, right? I can't pick uh, yeah. any of you those. You didn't watch old-timers. any of those guys. You didn't watch any of those guys. Son. You're not that old. <laughs> hey, man, Tom Landry. That's why I hate Cowboys to this day. The way they got rid of the man, a shame. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm a, in the same boat as Shay and Billy when it comes to Lincoln Riley. Love the uh, love the 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 energy that that he just exudes from him. I don't know if it's because he's just so young compared to everyone else that he uh, coaches against. But he just gives off that energetic feel. And just as a guy that is, uh, you know, is out there, is out there running around with the guys. And just as a, uh, 
you know, I could see him being a, uh, you know, being a big players coach. And, you know, you, you've heard a lot about Oklahoma players and, and how much they've liked and stuff. And I, and I can just see a lot of that. I think Shea touched on something really important. And uh, that is the play calling aspect of it. LSU's last two hires, Les Miles, specialized in the offensive line, and his offensive lines absolutely sucked at LSU. Ed Orgeron focuses on the defensive line. I mean, we can go back and we can look at his defensive lines over the years, and I think, uh, and I think you leave uh, very unimpressed with, uh, the production that we saw. There were guys that got drafted, like Rashard Lawrence. Neil Farrell's going to have a chance. There have been some other guys, but uh, you know, I don't feel that if you're if you specialize in the defensive line, then man, that needs to be one of your that needs to be one of your your deepest units on the team. It needs to be one of your your strongest units on the team. And just didn't get that with Ed Orgeron. So I love that fact that that Lincoln Riley brings with having that expertise. Because if your offensive coordinator is gone after you win a national championship, who cares? cares all he is he he is essentially what pete golding is at alabama everybody knows that's nick saban's defense and that's not a knock on pete golding because I, I i know a lot of people who just talk great about the guy but it's nick saban's defense someone can leave it is the same defense year in and year out so i think that is i think that is very very important uh for the new guy for the new guy that comes in I'm going to disagree with uh, with Jay and Wild Bill on Jumbo Fisher. I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. I just don't get it. And this is strictly from me, uh, my personal standpoint. You know, I don't think he's earned what he made it at Texas A&M. I think if you go back and look at how he left Florida State, what is Florida State? You know, people people say that you know the quarterback can make a certain t- uh, a certain coach well you look at Oklahoma Lincoln Riley's had quarterbacks after quarterbacks after quarterbacks you look at Florida State you had Jameis Winston who won a national championship if you don't have Jameis Winston you know where are you then and so i i think that i i think that Jimbo is a very good quarterbacks coach however i don't think that I think if you take that one skin off the wall, and that is a big skin, but if you look at all the other skins, it just doesn't equate to $10 million, $12 million a year. You know, I, I don't think that he's worth that. And I think that his reputation is a little bit embellished just because of that national championship. After Lincoln Riley, you know, where do you go? I think you can take, I think you can look at a Luke Fickle and you say, okay, he could be a, you know, he could be a really good guy. But the day that Ohio State job opens up, I don't care where Luke Fickle is, Luke Fickle's going there. And, you know, it would probably be fair for him to turn that gig down. Bell Tucker, I think he's another one. I think he's very, very good too. I like what he's done recently. I think he could be a very good head coach. Uh, still some question marks right there, though. For me personally, if you don't get a Lincoln Riley, I like Dave Aranda. I like Dave Aranda for for I, I see some uh, some Nick Saban qualities in him in the fact that I love that he specializes in defense. I love the fact that he is so reserved. And, and so stoic, yet everybody's, you know, all of the players seem to, you know, seem to like him. They seem to get along with him and stuff. The recruiting, the being able to recruit and, and putting the emphasis on recruiting, 
concerns me just a little bit, but I do think he was at LSU long enough to where he knows that pipeline and he knows how important that is to place that emphasis on keeping Louisiana kids in Louisiana. I'm with Shay too on Billy Napier. I really like Billy Napier and I think Billy Napier is going to be a very good coach. I think he's going to be in five years, maybe 10 years, he's going to probably be one of the top 10 power five coaches out there. I think he'll, that he will, uh, that he'll earn that recognition with what he, not only what he's done at, at, at ULL, but also what he's going to do at his, at his next stop. After Lincoln Riley, to me, there's really not a, you know, there's not a, I don't have a clear cut number two that I would like to see. If you told me that I had to have one, I would probably yeah. lean towards Dave Aranda. Who's number three? Then Napier? Number three? No, you know, I, I guess if we're still looking at those of uh, probably Mel Tucker. Probably okay. Mel Tucker. And, right. and that's the, you know, and, and I would, if you, when you're going down the list and you're saying it, I would actually have Dave Aranda ahead of Mel Tucker. Okay. You know, and I'm Scott Woodward, who, <laughs> who knows what the hell he's thinking. But I think from a, you know, from the, of the regional standpoint, I just think Dave Aranda could come in and, and I think it would be a little bit easier of a transition yeah. under him. Yeah. You know, Sonny's out there uh, saying that without Jamez, what is uh, Jimbo got? What about, come on, man. What about uh, Jamarcus and Rohan and Matt Mock and, Christian Ponder and EJ Manuel, we're getting some yeah, real hate but, but out here people don't really, but people don't, but people don't talk about the Jamarcuses and the Rohans as much. You know, when they talk about Jimbo, it's the national championship at Florida State, and uh, no, and and, 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 and I exactly, exactly, and, and that's why I said that you know he does develop kids, he does develop talent and things like that, but. Without Jamez, what does his resume look like then? As far as not being a quarterback developer. But as far as just being, you know, that elite head coach that yeah. some polls have him in. Yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be short. I'll be brief. Uh, I got Lincoln Riley number one as well for all the reasons that y'all named. I mean, just everything that he's done there from quarterback development, quarterback recruitment. I mean, you go down the list of guys that he's had. Obviously, Heaton Baker was there when he got there. But after that, still to continue what he what they uh, started there under Stoops has been very impressive. Uh, number two. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of crapshoot at this point. I'm going to go Mel Tucker. I think Mel Tucker is kind of underrated, even though his head coaching uh, resume isn't as extensive. I mean, just his overall resume is incredible to me when you look at it, just from the NFL stints to the Kirby Smart days. I mean, you look at the Georgia defense now, he recruited a lot of those guys. Like, this is a dude that, who knows how to recruit um, and he also added Kenneth Walker from the transfer portal this offseason. So um, he's Proven enough to me, I have him at number two. And then number three, I'm going to go off the walls and I'm going to go Lane Kiffin because uh, I think Lane Kiffin has d done enough over the past couple stops at FAU and Ole Miss that I'm like, all right, he's gotten – his wheels are on right here. I'm not worried about him going back to those earlier days of head coaching. So uh, I'm going to go Lane Kiffin as my number three. So, well, what's up, Shay? Do you have a – no? Well, no, my, con my concern with Kiffin is not even if I'm talking on field only, if he doesn't have Kendall Bryles or Jeff Levy, is he as good as everyone thinks he is? Who, who said he won't have them? I don't know. Are <laughs> they good? Well, he won't have Kendall Bryles. I don't think Kendall yeah. Bryles, I think I think both those guys are due for head coaching jobs eventually. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Shay, let's keep it on you for a second. Um, individual question. Uh, do you still think it's likely that the decision happens like, 
two, three days right after the season? Or do you, do you think it's going to take a little longer? Or where are you at with that? Well, I guess obviously it depends on who it was, right? Like yeah. if you're naming Jimbo the head coach, you can do it the day after the season. He's not playing in a championship game. They're not in the playoffs. So if you're fitting into that you know mold of coach, then yeah, I would expect it to probably be that Sunday after. Be announced till after the championship game. And if it's someone who's playing in the playoffs, I think that Scott Woodward will get a deal done. I've been told this. We've Again, we're the first to tell you all we don't know what Scott Woodard and his inner circle are thinking, but I've been able to pry little details here and there out of people who I think would know, and they've maintained across the board that Scott's not going to let a championship game or a playoffs get in the way of whoever he thinks is the best coach for this job. If that person's going to take it, then that's fine. Now, if you're getting in the playoffs and playing into January, I think you've got a deal done behind the scenes. And and let's be real. You can look right now at the teams that are about to be in the playoffs. If it's Kirby and Cristobal and a, if Bama gets in and it's Saban, I mean, you can do the math. Those guys aren't coming to coach at LSU. So if there's one team left and it's Mel Tucker or if it's, you know, whoever, whomever, you know, is, is fit into that spot and it's after championship weekend, you haven't heard anything about a head coach. I think you could probably do the math pretty quickly to find out who it is. So for me, I don't think there's a set timeline in place. I think that more than anything, and trust me, Woodward pays attention to recruiting as much as any AD out there. He knows the early signing period's looming. He knows what the transfer portal's all about. But I think that he knows, hey, I've got to get this hire right, and everything else will then fall into place. And if you have a couple of stumbles in recruiting, that ain't the end of the world. The end of the world is missing on this hire and, and getting the wrong guy or rushing it and then regretting the decision. So. Uh, I think that it depends, obviously, but I don't think that the timeline of a championship game or being in the playoffs will offset or, or take that person out of the race if they're interested in this job and would or want them. Yeah. Billy, when you look at the recruiting side of things, uh, how much work will this new hire have to do to keep this, to keep guys in place? I mean, obviously, I know with the early sign day, it'll be different depending on when he's hired, but just what, what have you seen from the class overall um, on that front? So the, the thing to watch for me on the recruiting side of things is those spots uh, for the transfers as well. Because if you see the roster attrition that's necessary to turn it over if you're a new head coach and you have those seven spots, one thing for me will be how quickly are they in evaluation mode with the 2022 class? Is there any, let's say, forced attrition from the guys that are already committed? Um, obviously, the one guy that has uh, left the class is – Aaron Anderson, who committed to Alabama, uh, that's somebody that you probably would have wanted to see the, the new guy get a shot to keep. Um, and then from there, I, I think right now it seems like everybody's kind of solid. You know, I mean, Will Campbell, Walker Howard, uh, Trevante Citizen, Emery Jones. We've seen a lot of those guys stay solid. The out-of-state ones, um, like your Demario Tolan, Mason Taylor, um, Nathan Dibbert. Uh, will those guys uh, stay on board uh, as uh, the out-of-state commitments? Jadarian Ryan, um, those are ones that I'm watching. I mean, anybody would be crazy not to have Dibbert and Ryan, Ryan uh, in the class. And then LaTerrence Welch in-state seems like he's locked in on being an LSU guy if the right hire is made and, and things don't get blown up maybe with, with Corey Raymond. You know, those things – uh, are factors which coaches are kept on staff personally i don't see that many of the guys being kept around 
Um, and a lot of them with the, the amount of time that they've had now uh, are probably jockeying for their next stop, potentially. Uh, that's just kind of the name of the game. When you make an in-season coaching change, uh, the next guy, the guys are looking for their next stop. So evaluating the class and being ready to make decisions right away um, so that they can address the transfer portal so they can uh, have spots to fill if they really want to go out and bring their own recruits over. So for Lincoln Riley, for example, if he was the guy and for Jimbo Fisher, if he was the guy, uh, those are those are coaches that recruit a lot of the same guys that LSU is. I mean, there's a lot of players, you know, Azariah Thomas, for example, is, is a guy that Oklahoma has been recruiting really hard. Um, would a Lincoln Riley help LSU? Um, Jacoby Matthews has been recruited really hard by Texas A&M. Would that help LSU? Uh, I think in terms of the in-state guys that are still left out there on the targets, you know, I feel good about Quincy Wiggins ending up at LSU as it seems. It just seems like he's somebody that has been prioritized at a big level. Uh, Scott Woodward, as Shay mentioned, is so involved in recruiting. Um, Austin Thomas being the, the GM of LSU football it has really kept that part department on track in terms of making sure they've stayed in contact with these top guys and the sprint to the finish line for, and I'm just going to scatter shoot here, but five-star wide out Evan, Evan Stewart, five-star linebacker, Harold Perkins, five-star corner, Denver Harris. Um, so many of these players out of state are, are going to give LSU that look because they've been recruited for so long and they're obviously interested in the program. And if it's the right hire, uh, to keep them interested, they're going to give them a shot um, in the end. And, you know, the the question is, is will this hire be made in time for them to get shots at uh, a Shaz Preston and uh, Shaz Preston and Kendrick Law and some of these other in-state players and, and a couple other out-of-state guys I'll mention. I mentioned Azariah Thomas. I forgot to mention Anthony Lucas. Um, these are all players that have been recruited so hard by LSU Will the new coach already have inroads in those recruitments to keep LSU at the front or um, keep them uh, in the mix, I should say? That'll be something to watch. Those two weeks before early signing period could be pretty wild on that front. But I think in-state, they're going to be okay. Um, Shaz Preston and Kendrick Lahr, too, I'm kind of worried about right now. Um, but then as, as far as the out-of-state ones, if they get that big name, uh, watch for a crazy finish. I mean, there, there are some, some coaches that do a really good job recruiting at – a high level on those out-of-state five stars. If LSU landed one of those guys, that would be uh, that would be something. Yeah, Sonny, uh, kind of going off the recruiting, uh, is there is there any concern about the fit uh, that a coach could have uh, coming to LSU? Uh, whether that is, I mean, because we've talked about Aranda's been there, uh, been here for a couple years. You know, uh, Jimbo's been in the SEC uh, now for a few years. Is there any worry about fit when when? thinking about the hire as far as Woodward is concerned? Well, I think a big fit and I think a big fit when you look at it from a recruiting standpoint and Shay kind of touched on this, that, that Scott Woodward is not going to let someone coaching in the playoff uh, deter him from making this call. But I think when you look at it from a standpoint of a fit with recruiting, I really don't see, how they could go into the playoff with not having a head coach named unless it was a deal to where they announced a deal was in place and, you know, the uh, the, the school that he was leaving was going to still allow him to coach in the playoff. I just don't – I don't see how LSU could go that route 
with this 2022 class and with the early signing period, because you could potentially, I mean, you've got guys like, you've got guys like Walker Howard, Will Campbell, you know, these kids who are going to be these early enrollees to where, you know, they can't wait till after the playoff, you know, if they're going to have to get that decision out of the way. So, I mean, I agree with Shay hundred percent and that Woodward's not going to let that deter him. But I think when I, when I think about the recruiting and the fit and all of that fitting together, that, that would, that really concerns me about being able to go into the playoff and still being able to pull in a, uh, the recruiting class. But when it comes to fit outside of that, I really don't think that there's anyone that, you know, unless there's just someone who we have not heard one thing of that there's anyone who is just not going to be a good fit. Um, I don't think it, you know, it doesn't have to be an offensive guy. It doesn't have to be a defensive guy. I think the biggest fit that LSU needs right now is they need someone that's going to come in and that's going to command some respect. That's going to command some respect early on who doesn't have to lay down the law, but who the players are going to be fired up for. They're going to be emotionally invested, mentally invested, physically invested. So when I think about fit, that's what I, that's what I think LSU needs. Um, you know, and I'm not going to pile on with all the, 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 you know, opt outs, injury outs, whatever we want to call it. But, you know, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of injuries right now that probably would be playing in different circumstances. And I think some of that has to do with just the way that things are right now, the way that Ed Orgeron has kind of run things with the players losing respect, uh, you know, some respect for him, maybe some respect for other coaches and stuff. So I just think you got to get a guy who's just going to come in. And when the players hear who it is, you know, like a Lincoln Riley, like a Jimbo Fisher, someone like that, that it's going to be like, oh, wow, okay, you know, there's a new sheriff coming in town, and this is a big sheriff right here. So when I think about fit, those are some things that kind of come to mind for me. Yeah, uh, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Billy. Yeah, just quickly, I think with the one thing, too, with recruiting that I didn't mention is if these in-state kids have dreamed of playing for LSU for so long, and especially like the early enrollees, like, like Sonny mentioned, if they really don't vibe with whoever the next coach is, they do have that one-time transfer uh, ability, and so they could be out the door right away. I mean, if, it, if it's that bad or whatever, and they're, they're really not uh, liking it, or they can just be patient, be developed or whatever, and then go somewhere um, else depending on what position they're playing and what, what the fit is there. So I, I thought that's something worth mentioning is that, you know, guys that have stayed so committed to LSU for so long and really want to be at LSU, they can still give it the old college try, so to speak, um, and, and see if it is uh, what they want. And um, that's just if they were, you know, to drag out the hire, I guess. Yeah. I think another well, one thing, too, I, I, at least I would think this, this is kind of unprecedented because we haven't covered a coaching search where the early signing period and the portal were all looming like this. But if it's somebody in the playoffs, then you'll know that by after conference championship weekend. So if the LSU announcement isn't made yet, well, then these commitments, Walker Howard, Will Campbell, all of them, they'll understand the same thing we understand, which is LSU's new head coach. And they'll probably actually by that point know a little bit more than us. But LSU's new coach is one of the people who's in the playoffs. And it's almost like you don't even need an announcement. Like I said, if the names are Kirby and Saban and Cristobal in there, because everyone's going to say, okay, that's the other guys who LSU's probably hiring. Yeah. And little stuff will start to slip out and, and we'll hear that. In terms of fits, and, and this is one more thing, I just wonder, 
my only thing about Pitts, if you're not thinking of her, like offense or defense or any of that stuff, is like I don't think Brian Harson's a good fit at Auburn. And I think now that the Washington job's open back up, I think his name could heat up there because he's a lifer in the Pacific Northwest. He was a Boise State guy. And when he got hired, everybody said, is it really going to work? Joe Moorhead, when he got hired at Mississippi State, everybody said, is this really going to work? Now, granted, Leach was sort of the same thing, but he came with this offense of, you know, that's why you're hiring him for this offense. And he can still piece it together however he might. But even then, people said it's tough for him to recruit up against the best in the SEC because those guys have been down here and just know how to do it. I would worry that the Luke Fickles, the Matt Campbells, the – you know, and no one's talking about it, but the row your boat type coaches who have been in the Midwest, who have been up north, who have been lifers there, they're into their 40s. That's a big jump to come down to Louisiana and fit in with the culture here and fit in with the kind of kids you're going to be recruiting and fit in with the kind of roster you're going to then have to manage. So I don't know if Woodward views that, but I would be, I would be looking at a lot of guys who have at least had some experience down here, at least have had some experience recruiting the best of the best, you know, and understanding what it takes to get into the homes of a lot of these five stars from Louisiana, Mississippi, Bama, Georgia, Florida, whatever it might be. So that's, that's the kind of thing that like, I think Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell, them are great coaches. I don't know how well they would fit here. And if I'm Woodward, I'm taking a hard look at that. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, even Mel Tucker, like I said, has that Georgia experience, the Alabama experience, you know, that. no doubt he's got the SEC stuff. Yeah, Lane Kiffin Kiff got on the list, uh, Lincoln Riley, Dave Aranda. So uh, last question for me, and this is kind of for everybody here. Um, if Woodward strikes out, right, let's say he strikes out with Riley and whoever else, Fisher or whatever, um, is Napier the, the fallback, like the ultimate fallback? And I know we've talked about we're high on him. We think he's a good coach and it wouldn't be a problem. But is that like the fallback situation there of, of Napier? Yeah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go first. Um, I, I mean, look, I mean, when you get quote unquote down to the Billy Napier, you know, LSU and Scott Woodward will have already made calls to a Lincoln Riley, a Jimbo Fisher. Uh, yeah. I mean, just big names. So even if you get like, quite frankly, I mean, even Mel Tucker, even though his name had a lot of buzz, that was because Scott Woodward wouldn't have gotten Lincoln Riley or Jimbo Fisher, yeah. a couple of these like no brainer ones. So there's so many fallback options. Um, you know, Durante Jones was a fallback option right now. LSU's playing pretty good defensive football with, you know, a, a tag team, you know, ragtag group of backups, you know, in a way. So um, it just, I think he's a really good, I think he built the roster really well. I think one thing that UL has done a good job of is, you know, recruiting athletes and, and guys that can end up playing and have length and have size and, um, you know, just pan out. Uh, and they do a really good job of, of recruiting seniors very well. I mean, they leave spots in classes specifically for guys that are going to emerge and who might just miss out on the power five or might end up at UL because they haven't, because they, the, the big, a couple of their big offers have come in so late that they're like, you know what, I'm going to stick with it. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, trust, trust my uh, instinct, you know, Kyron Lacey was a four star on 24 seven and he ended up uh, being that type of a guy for them. So I, I think building the roster, um, knowing how to build a program, I think Billy Napier would be a really stable hire. Uh, and there's a reason why he's been rumored for a lot of uh, big jobs and, and he's turned down quite a few too. So um, yeah, it would be a, 
he would be a fallback, but uh, I think LSU could do a lot worse than Billy Napier. Yeah, I'm saying that there's no like, and this isn't to say the the Orgeron hire was was that, but you know they went after the big dogs and then had to fall back and went to the Ed Orgeron hire. Um, obviously, I won a championship. Uh, last thing for uh, Sonny and Shea, real quick. Uh, what happened to James Franklin? Is, did he just lose too much? Absolutely, James Franklin played himself. And and I was and I was a big proponent, man. When this first happened, James Franklin, he was at the top of my list. And Shay and I, when we first started at twenty uh, twenty four seven in twenty twelve, we got to listen to James Franklin talk to uh, speak to us at a uh, at a workshop to the whole company. And man, that dude was so impressive. He was so impressive to listen to, and he was he was so charismatic so personable and so knowledgeable. And this was when he had first, I mean, he hadn't been at Vanderbilt long at all. And, um, you know, for him to, all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is Vanderbilt's coach. You know, I left there, like, you know, you go into it thinking about Vanderbilt, you know, the, the doormat of the SEC when it comes to football. But I was super impressed with him. But I think, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you lose as much as he has, once his name got elevated into the talk of USC, into LSU, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was mismanaged on his part. I don't know if it was just the, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the deal was, but they definitely have it played the way that they need to play for him to go and get a big job. I mean, trying to sell James Franklin right now as the new LSU head coach would be slightly better than trying to explain Jerry DiNardo as your next head coach after he just got thumped by Tennessee 160 to three or seven or whatever it was that he lost by. And so, um, you know, I'm still high on James Franklin. I think he's a good coach. Uh, but for whatever reason, the, the situation this year where they just fell apart, I mean, you definitely have to look at that and it comes with calls. And then you say, okay, is this worth $8 million a year, $9 million a year? Yeah, Sonny summed that up well. I mean, 10 and 9 over two years is what Franklin is. Orgeron's 9 and 10. He's like 2 and 8 versus AP top 10 teams. He's actually had, I think, too, that people have talked about. There's been Title IX investigations when he's been a coach before. Uh, that's a sticky subject right now at LSU. So for a myriad of factors, I think we've seen his name go down the list a bit. And I'll wrap up by saying this, which was the question Billy touched on. I think that Napier is the one guy you circle right now that you would say 100% he will take the job. Even if you get into the Matt rules, he makes nine million bucks to coach in the NFL for five months a year and he doesn't recruit like he could just stay there. You look at Cincinnati, you look at OU, A&M. Those are all places where the coach has a reason to say, I may just stay here. And, and for whatever reason it might be, uh, and I'm not going to make that move. Michigan State and Mel Tucker appear close to to finalizing an, an extension. So I think that, yes, I mean, look, and then you say Dave Aranda, well, the USC's job is open. That's he's from California. He grew up coaching in California. So you then say, I don't know, would he take LSU over USC if he's offered uh, the USC job? I just I feel like the best way to describe Napier is of all the coaches that you would consider good enough to take the job. He's the one. And it's obviously the circumstance of being at UL right now and waiting out for a bigger job. But he's the one that everyone would agree that no doubt if you offered him the job right now, he would sign for it. Yep, exactly. And that's what makes it such an interesting uh, conversation here. We've got a lot of coaches we presume to still be in the mix here. A lot of coaches we presume Woodward to be reaching out to at the moment. Um, and so we will have y'all covered with the latest on go247.com. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, on YouTube or however you're watching or listening to this on uh, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. 
Um, but that's all we have for y'all today. Um, we appreciate y'all for joining us. What do you got, Shay? Matty B, send us off with a Mike Tomlin denial. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, can't make, I can't make my eyes bulge like that. I'm, I'm probably, I'm just going to like clip it at the end on, on missed, our podcast. If you're on our YouTube page and you haven't watched Maddie B's breakdown of denials by head yes. coaches, it's the best thing you'll see all week. Yes, there's there's a, there's a plug. Uh, check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, I rate the coaches' denials. Uh, Mike Tomlin obviously got a ten. Excellent job. Ten, done. Ten out of ten. Unreal. So uh, check that out. Uh, we thank y'all for joining us, and we'll talk to y'all later. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.